reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew. Jesus said to his disciples, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all his angels with him, he will sit upon his glorious throne and all the nations will be assembled before him and he will separate them one from another as a shepherd separates sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep on his right and the goats to his left and then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, and inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. A stranger, and you welcomed me. Naked, and you clothed me. Ill, and you cared for me. In prison, and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him and say, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? When did we see you ill or in prison and visit you? And the king will say to them and reply, Amen, I say to you, whatever you did for one of these least brothers of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on the left, Depart from me, you accursed, into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and all his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food, thirsty, and you gave me no drink. A stranger, and you gave me no welcome, naked, and you gave me no clothing, ill and in prison, and you did not care for me. Then they will answer and say, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or stranger or naked or ill or in prison and not minister to your needs? And he will answer them and say, Amen, amen, I say to you, what you did not do for one of these least of mine, you did not do for me. And these will go off to eternal punishment but the righteous to eternal life. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Have a seat. I want to extend both welcome and condolences to all of you that have come, especially family that have come from far and wide. I'm Father PJ. I'm the parish priest here at Christ the King. And uh, I, it's, it's very important for me that you all know that, sorry. Thank you. There's some jokes to be made about the music, but I can't come up with it yet. So I'm Father PJ, and I'm glad you're here. Uh, look, I'm not going to pretend to have known Gene deeply, but I did know him to see him on Sunday. And I knew him well enough that um, he sort of accidentally planned his own funeral readings. I say accidentally because he came to plenty of funerals here for people that he knew that had died. And after one, I'm going to say this just 
three or four years ago, but it's kind of hard to remember. They start to blend after a bit. Um, he stopped me, and he said, that reading they read, it, it wasn't the same as usual. And I said, well, that's right. There's, we usually use like a short version, and, and that today was the longer version. Well, why'd you do that? Well, because they asked for it. We can do that? And I said, yeah. And he said, let me see it. And so I took this sheet out and showed it to him. He said, mm, I like that one better. So here's the part Gene wanted you all to hear today. In the time of their visitation, they shall shine and dart about as sparks through the stubble. They shall judge the nations and rule over the peoples, and the Lord shall be their king forever. The image that caught him, and we did talk about it just for two or three minutes at somebody else's funeral dinner, but I think it, it matters, was the image of sparks in a fire. You'll see some probably toward the end of Mass with the incense, right? But when you have a fire, whether it's fed by charcoal or by wood, sparks do dart about, and they seem to have a life of their own, right? Now, we know, given how fuel works and how fire burns, that the sparks aren't actually alive, but they do say something important to us about life. That is, they have their own kind of volition. They choose things on their own, like choosing a reading for your funeral because it says something important both to you and about you. The reason I think this is important is because this passage, which is probably the most common that's read at Catholic funerals, at least these days, comes from the Book of Wisdom. And the Book of Wisdom is a kind of weird book in the Old Testament. It's not a story. It's not a history. It's a bunch of seemingly random sayings. But the sayings came not from the Jews themselves, but from the people that they lived with. It was written during two periods of exile, when the people weren't at home. And they sort of collected the wisdom of the Egyptians on the one hand and the Babylonians on the other. The smart things other people say. So it would be, I don't know, like a memory book that people keep nowadays. Or just a note that you gather on your phone when people say things you don't want to forget. And this is like all the smart things the people that, that enslaved us said to us while they were still in charge. The smart things they said about death. The souls of the just are in the hand of God, and no torment shall touch them. So they were speaking to the problem of death, which is the primary problem that has occupied most people for most of history, and they insisted that whatever happened to the dead when they died, they lived in some way or other with God. The author goes on, they seemed in the view of the foolish to be dead, and so their passing away was thought an affliction. That is, this seems like a bad thing, but they are at peace. For if before men indeed they be punished, yet their hope is full of immortality. The Jews, when living in exile, were uh, persecuted. They had it rough and were mistreated by the people that had taken them into exile. Many of them died, executed, much like we see happening in the Holy Land even to today. And and what the author here is trying to, to, to speak to, what the wise people, even among their captors, understood was that if somebody dies in the cause of something good, while their passing might make us sad, there is something deeply good about this. There's something noble about a good death. 
And that's true whether the death is, 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 is won in bravery in battle or at the end of a long life that has simply been well lived. This is also why the passage that usually gets left out is so significant. In the time of their visitation, that is, their visit with the Lord, their death, they shall shine. Now think about that. Normally, we even talk about death as like the light's going out. But that is not what's happening here, at least in the author, in the view of the author of the Book of Wisdom. No, they shall shine and dart about like sparks through the stubble. And isn't it telling them that even the church uses burning incense as the great sign of the soul returning to God? They shall judge the nations and rule over peoples. I mean, Jane was successful enough in life, but uh, wasn't a senator, wasn't a congressman, sure wasn't a president. How is he going to be over and in charge of anybody? Well, the answer is in the very last line. And the Lord shall be their king forever. This is why we came up with the gospel that we had. We're in a church dedicated to Jesus under the title of king, Christ the king, right? And the feast of Christ the king is actually this weekend. It's the parish's main feast day. Recognizing Christ as our king both changes our relationship to God and the world. That's the only way we could hope to rule over nations and peoples. But make no mistake, that is exactly what the scriptures and the church insist happens, that those of us who come to live with God forever are not simply saved from eternal punishment, but are granted a share in Christ's kingship over the world. That's why when babies are baptized, we immediately rub oil on their heads, like a king being anointed. And so, in this passage, which looks like it's mostly about the poor, God tells us something importantly about ourselves. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit upon his glorious throne. Who sits on thrones? Kings. And all the nations shall be assembled before him. So this is no ordinary king. Otherwise, he'd just have his people in front of him. This is the king of kings, the Lord of lords. And he will place the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. And then the king will say to those on his right. So, lest there be any doubt, this is Jesus at the end of time separating sheep from goats, good from bad. And the criterion for judgment, the way that our eternal destiny gets decided, does absolutely have to do with our care of others, and especially of the poor. For I was hungry, he says, and you gave me food, thirsty, and you gave me drink, a stranger, and you welcomed me, naked, and you clothed me, ill, and you cared for me, in prison, and you visited me. Our relationship with God is meant to determine our relationship with everybody else. And if we're faithful in that relationship to everybody else, then God will be faithful in his promised relationship to us. That is, if we give food to the hungry and drink to the thirsty, comfort and care to those who are maligned or oppressed in any way, if we show genuine concern for the other, not only for their own sake, but out of love for the person of Jesus present in them, 
than we have served him himself. And when we fail to do so, we haven't simply failed in justice to a person in need. We've failed Jesus. We've failed to see him for who he really is. Now, no life is perfect. Not one of us gets out of this without neglecting some hungry person or failing to visit someone who is sick. Oftentimes, after someone dies, especially someone as old as Jean, a lot of us begin to go back and think, did I even do it for him, let alone for everybody else? Those are very reasonable questions to ask. There's nothing wrong with that sort of complexity and grief. But the question's only useful in as much as it causes us to change our behavior, to pay attention to the people that we're neglecting, and to look back on the life of one whom we've loved and whom we've seen do better. The church situates her funeral rites in the context of the Mass, that is, the celebration of Holy Communion. And the reason that she does this is because the Mass is, for us, primarily a sacrifice. It is the representation of Christ's own sacrifice on the cross for us, made accessible to us here again on the altar. And the reason that's important is because our lives are either sacrificial or totally meaningless. There's really not a third option. Either the sufferings that we know in this life can be undertaken freely and deliberately and put at service of the people that we know and love, and maybe even some that we don't, or uh, everything hurts and there's no purpose to it at all. Either we can help alleviate the suffering of those around us, or we can help, either we can alleviate their suffering and help build them up, or we ignore them and allow their own suffering to lack meaning and purpose and value. What Jean managed to do primarily evident by the large family he leaves behind, is sacrifice and sacrifice and sacrifice. Over the course of a long life and long hours at work, over the course of hours and days and years spent with you, those whom he loved best, and he was at his best when he was giving up for you. This is the reason the church does this here, because the life of the Christian is not simply meant to be an imitation of Jesus. It's a participation in the life of Jesus. And just as the sacrifices of Jean's life now take their full shape and focus, they're cast in broad relief against the sacrifice of Jesus, so the afterlife of Jean follows the afterlife of Jesus. In just a couple of hours, we'll visit a cemetery. And we'll lay Jean's urn in the ground, the receptacle. The tomb always starts open. It's no accident. It ends up open too, even as did the tomb of Jesus. I know we're all coming at this from our own place and space, and I'm not trying to force you into mine or the church's exactly, but I'm holding up these images. I'm reminding you of the oldest story ever told, and the greatest as well, because if you can grasp what kept Jean coming here, if you, can, if you can glimpse the spirit that stirred him to love you in the way that he did, well, there just might be a chance for us as well. And then today is not only 
a time to mourn and say goodbye, but to look on in hope for a life and death in which we too hope to follow.